This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. You're listening to Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Professor Mike Yusin, Jeffrey Klein, and Anne Greenhall. Welcome back. This is Leadership in Action on Sirius XM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I am still Jeff Klein, still the executive director of the Ann and John McNulty Leadership Program hmm. here at Wharton, and I'm still here in the studio with Mike Yuseem and Ann Greenhall. That's great. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> All right. This is a special, special two-hour show uh, that is celebrating the Lipman Family Prize and especially the three honoree organizations yeah. this year. And so we're going to just get right back into the conversation here. We've already had uh, a fantastic talk with Barry Lippman, founder of the prize. Uh, we were able to talk with World Bicycle Relief uh, right in our last segment. Um, and now we are delighted to mm-hmm. welcome to the show Isla Goxel, who is the vice president and CEO of ASEV, which is the Mother Child Education Foundation based in Istanbul, Turkey. And ASEV develops and implements evidence-based educational programs for children, parents, and young women in need across the country, um, with almost one million mm-hmm. beneficiaries having participated in ASEV's training programs to date. Ayla, welcome to Leadership in Action. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> All right. We are, we are thrilled yes. to have you here. And um, maybe just to, to kind of jump right into it, because we really want to shine a spotlight on the, the very impressive and the very impactful work that uh, the organization is doing. Um, but, but give us a, a little sense of who you are and, and how you, um, you and Asev intersected. So I actually grew up in the UK, as you can tell by my accent. And when I uh, graduated with an economics and politics degree, uh, I wanted to move out to Turkey, uh, mm-hmm. back to my homeland, because I thought that it would be fun. We'd, we'd spent the summers there. It was all beach and uh, sunshine. And we thought that was, that's what uh, Turkey was about. I quickly found out it wasn't. Um, but I actually applied to work for a bank. Okay. And uh, they called me in and the, the, uh, the HR director said, you know, our chairman's uh, wife is setting up a new foundation. It's called the Mother Child Education Foundation. Would you be interested? And I'd always been interested in development. Um, but I thought development was only done by, you know, the World Bank or UNICEF and uh, sure. development offices. And um, uh, it just took off from there. It was completely a coincidence, uh, but I, I loved it from the first day. Uh, I, fe- I fell in love with the, the leadership, uh, with their humility and their compassion, uh, but most importantly, their real focus on, on young children, uh, mm-hmm. young children and their parents. Um, so that's how I, I, I fell into it, uh, and I've been there for 20, over 25 mm. years now. <laughs> and and I, I'm, I'm curious, as so as you're making a, uh, this transition back to Turkey, um, what were you picturing in terms of the role that you were going to play at a bank, and and what was similar, what was different about the role that you that you end up playing yeah. here with the Mother Child Education Foundation? Well, you know, with an economics degree, I thought, what can you do? You go and work for a bank, or you work for the private sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, it never really occurred to me that I could go and work for an NGO, and you know. Bear in mind that this is 25 years ago when civil society was very nascent in Turkey mm-hmm. and unfortunately almost synonymous with, um, you know, anarchism or people that wanted to bring the government down or uh, just people maybe handing out, uh, you know, food to uh, or building buildings. So it wasn't really about development as such and 
mm-hmm. the software, if you like, mm-hmm. are, of programs that uh, that you need for for social change. Um, so, because it was really my first job, uh, in that I didn't I, I didn't struggle too much because it was what I knew, and I just had the opportunity to build something from the ground up, which, you know, for a twenty one, twenty two year old, is just an amazing experience, and. You know, the leadership, uh, right from the very first day, they believed in young people, which mm-hmm. uh, is quite strange for Turkey, actually, <laughs> being a, a patriarchal society as well and, you know, quite authoritarian. And they entrusted, uh, they entrusted the, young, the young people that were, uh, and we were all sort of like new graduates, and they sort of like let us get on with it. And mm-hmm. that gave us like this amazing area for creativity and and of course there are opportunities not just internally but also externally that we sort of jumped upon uh the first of which was um a world bank loan uh provided to the uh, ministry of education and ministry of education said would you be interested in being part of this uh this program here and as i said we were like free people working in the organization and they said okay you know just write up a budget for uh, 25 million and we were like 25 million dollars <laughs> how do you even do that yeah. how do you add up the numbers you just add zeros to the, <laughs> the 25 dollar budget you had right? but you know thankfully we end up with a 2 million dollar <laughs> because I don't think there was any way that we would have been able to, to carry out the 25 million dollar project but that's really sort of like one of the, the turning points in, in, Achev's, uh, in Achev's life Oh, Isla, it's so wonderful to have a chance to talk with you here. Can you can you give our listeners a concrete sense of how Achev works? How do you accomplish yeah. the good work that you do? Yeah. So, um, as I said, Achev is uh, it, it began with a focus on young children and their parents, and this is uh, it's quite unique in Turkey because the the foundation was actually based on a research project that was carried out mm-hmm. by Boğaziçi University academicians. Almost back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But the, the program that they had developed, the intervention program they had developed as part of their research, was found to have in, enormous effects on both the child and the, uh, and the mother that mm-hmm. participated mm-hmm. in the program. And although the, um, the researchers, you know, they tried to sort of, uh, continue to implement the program, obviously they, had, they were limited yeah. by, their, um, by their resources. And that's when the founder of Achev stepped in and said, you know what, this is amazing. Uh, I can't believe the science behind this, and we really need to to take this to scale, and this needs its own institution. That's how the Mother Child Education was founded. Um, and what that program at the time did, and almost everything that we've done since is, are almost like derivatives uh, yeah. of that, is we train mothers to provide preschool education uh, and stimulation to their children in the home because... Unfortunately, in Turkey, as in many developing countries around the world, young children do not have access to preschool education, which means that they're not prepared for school, which means that they don't have a fair start in life. And if you can provide the same kind of um, skills and stimulation that you would expect in a a preschool environment in the home, uh, it means that not only do you provide those children with life chances but also you empower the mother so that she's it's beyond a caregiving role and she becomes empowered not only as a mother but also as a uh, as a woman Mm -hmm. and she realizes her own potential uh, and that it can be beyond um you know just feeding the child or changing uh their clothes um and as i said the the effects of this program were just uh amazing and that's what we we took to scale across the country in partnership with the ministry of education 
But very quickly uh, after taking that scale, we realized there were so many needs in the country. One of them was literacy, female yeah. literacy. Uh, you know, now, 25 years on, thankfully, access to, pre- uh, to primary school education has, uh, is almost universal. So we don't have the same challenges. But back then, you know, women didn't know how to read and write. They couldn't carry out even basic functions in, in society. So we developed a literacy program. But we also integrated that with lots of women's empowerment uh, topics. And then we engaged fathers because we said it's not enough for just yeah. the mother to be, uh, to be involved in, in caregiving. You know, research has shown that if the father plays a positive role in the child um, and so on and so forth. Uh, so these are the, the different programs. But the program, like the Mother Child Education, is a 25-week program. So it's not just a one-in, mm-hmm. yeah. come yeah. in, come right. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, over time, time and it's very much a, a group uh, effort. It's a group dynamics. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just about an expert sitting up and saying, right, this is what you need to do, but really um, using the natural resources that that mothers and all parents have, mm-hmm. and sort of highlighting that and uh, using that's that great. in a peer peer learning approach almost. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. All right, I just want to re- remind our listeners that this is Leadership <coughs> in Action on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Jeff Klein, and this is a special edition of the show featuring 2019 Lippmann Family Prize honorees. Our conversation for this half hour is with Isla, and she is with Achev which, and the Mother Child Education Foundation, which is an organization that works to provide quality education in early childhood and that also supports parents and young women in need. Mike. Isla, I've got a couple questions about uh, how the program actually operates. And to make it very tangible just for a minute, um, you've invited the three of us to fly into Istanbul. <laughs> we, oh, boy. Uh, nonstop I'm ready. JFK. <laughs> And we've been to our hotel, we've dumped our bags, and now we're going to go visit one of your training centers. So what does it look like when we walk in uh, to witness what you've been doing for a number of years here? So you will walk into a public building. It may be a school. It may be a community center. uh, It may be um, uh, even a a wing of a hospital, anywhere that parents can easily access. uh, And all we need is really a room with some chairs, uh, not even tables. And you will see a group of about anything between 15 to 25 mm-hmm. mothers or fathers uh, sitting around in a circle. And they will have in the middle uh, a group leader that has been trained by Achev for at least two weeks. And they will have a background in maybe adult education or counseling or they may be teachers, preschool mm-hmm. teachers, primary school teachers. And they will go through for about two hours a structured discussion and the discussion every week, the topic is different. We have developed this uh, based on our, our evidence. Uh, so one week, the topic may be um, nutrition. Another week, it may be mm. child discipline. Another week, it may be about communication. But very much, it's a very interactive conversation that happens. And we will give them materials and we'll give that. They may be doing role playing. They may be um, asking each other questions. Uh, and then we give them materials that they can take home. Mm. Uh, to uh, to implement and do with their children or exercises. And the next week they come back and they report report back to the group. So this also gives them that sense of responsibility that I can't just walk out of here and then forget about mm. it <laughs> until next week. You know, I think I hear a, a kind of a bottoms-up um, kind of mindset here. So the instructor has a fair amount of latitude yeah. 
according to what people that the instructor knows are about to walk into the room as to what they focus on. So, Yes and no. Okay, good, good. <laughs> yes and no, because one of the, um, the things about any program that goes scale is that you really want to ensure program fidelity and program quality. quality. Now, unless you have very, very highly trained and competent um, trainers, that can be difficult. And, you know, it's challenging to find uh, very, very high-quality trainers. So what you want to do is you do want to make sure they stick to <laughs> the uh, some kind of script uh, and not just go off on, on, yeah. on a tangent, especially in areas where they not, may not be experts in. So there is a script, and, you know, we are very concerned about, you know, the program has specified educational outcomes that we want everyone to, to go out with. Mm-hmm. And every single week, you know, there is a list of all of the messages that need to go, all of the education outcomes, all of the actual behavioral changes that we're, that we're yeah. expecting. So there is some latitude, but not, not a lot. <laughs> so yeah. just a, a brief follow-up. I think you're in at least a dozen other countries now. So you kind of got going, yeah. uh, kind of worked out the model, understand uh, how to budget and everything in, yeah. in uh, Turkey. A big topic at our school that we uh, bring into the classroom is if you are, let's say, a U.S.-based company and you're going to expand internationally, you have to be careful where you first go or how you build from where you've gone first into new settings. So famously, Walmart entered into Germany and it got it was kind of defeated. It just didn't work out. Uber went into China, got pushed out. Target went into Canada, didn't work out. Having said that, Walmart has done extremely well elsewhere. Same for Target and same for Uber. So in picking your, I guess this is where I'm going, picking, in picking your 14 countries, uh, help us understand why you picked those 14 and not others to expand your services. Well, the answer to that is that we didn't actually pick those countries. They picked us. <laughs> they came to you. Oh, <laughs> they came awesome. to us. And I think, I think that's a secret. That, that's a head start. <laughs> Um, because, uh, you know, we found that uh, actually going somewhere and saying, OK, we've got this great program and you need to do it. It doesn't actually fly so well because, mm-hmm. you know, there are there's expertise and there's uh, there's knowledge in, in every single country around the world. So the first thing is that it was, um, you know, local organizations or partners that would approach us and say, you know, we've heard about this program. We've heard that you've got all these results. Mm-hmm. How can we replicate this in ours? Um and over the years, we found that you really do need to have, uh, you know, program fidelity is great, but the program adaptation is also paramount. Mm. You can't just go in and say, you know, one size fits all. It doesn't matter whether you're in, you know, Brazil or Laos <laughs> or Saudi Arabia. And you just, but uh, as long as you mm. maintain the basic principles and the methodology, that's what works. Great. So would that be illustrated at the level of the training? So, for example, on discipline, being yeah. culturally sensitive to what the norms are in each location? So it could be anything from um, the way that it works is that we uh, we provide the program and then the, the local organization will say, OK, you know, this bit may not work so much. For example, we have storybooks. The storybooks may have cultural representations, I don't know, like animals in the in the home. That uh-huh. some cultures they don't they don't like to breed uh, animals in the home, or they they don't think it's uh, it's not culturally appropriate. So those storybooks would be uh, would be changed, and they would be adapted with with local storybooks, yeah. or um, <coughs> you know the the vaccination schedules uh, they can change from mm-hmm. uh, from country to country. But what we do is after we provide the program, we improve the adaptation. Is we provide the training, the training of trainers. Uh, and that 
it happens in country and then we'll provide supervision so we'll keep uh, keep going but it's really critical that you have a local organization that assumes ownership for this understands it and wants to take it uh, wants to take it further Great, makes sense. I'd be, I'd be curious as I really just try to wrap my mind around this network that that you and others are leading, um, and as I think about us on this show right now talking about leadership uh, every week, when you think about the volunteer network of trainers, when you think of a million beneficiaries and tens of thousands of individual donors. Um, how how do you even conceptualize your role as a leader? Um, and how do you stay connected to all of these important stakeholder and constituent groups? I think the success of Acheva has really been based on the partnerships that it's, cre- it's created. Mm-hmm. And those partnerships happen at every single different level. Right. It happens right in the community mm-hmm. where you partner with the, the, the volunteer trainer. Uh, it happens... Um, beyond the volunteer training in the community where you have to liaise with the, the school principal to make mm-hmm. sure that he gives you the, the space. Mm-hmm. It happens with the donor that um, has to understand that, you know, although he may want to reach uh, for uh, $50,000, mm-hmm. a million beneficiaries, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it, it happens primarily <coughs> with the, the public uh, sector, I think. It's, mm-hmm. I think that... Um, NGOs, the, the challenge they face in many of the developing countries is ensuring the right partnership yeah. uh, model with the public sector so that they're, they're not compromised, but they're, also, they, they're basically using the assets that each have and bringing them together to create uh, a bigger whole. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my personal uh, approach has always been to, to try and listen as much to, to people's needs and see where that beauty beautiful spot uh, of collaboration is it doesn't always happen yeah. uh, and then you need to know that it's just not going to happen today and walk away and then maybe come back when the timing timing mm-hmm. is right are there um, when you think about partnerships and you think about you know at, at any of these levels whether it's at the community level the donor level um, are there things that you know you're looking for as as you assess a potential partner Absolutely. I mean, they have to believe uh, in what we're trying to do. They right. have to believe in the value of young children. They have to believe in the value of uh, of community support. They have to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. They have to have the humility. It's not, um, I think Mike said, you know, it's a bottoms-up approach. Mm-hmm. It very much is. Uh, there's only so much that you can do with just by, you know, announcing a law or saying sure. this is the way we're going to do it. Unless you have that uh, that ownership um, it can only go so far. That's great. Mm. Anne? Yeah, I'm just wondering in the few minutes we have how you're looking to the future. What's next for Achev? So one of the things that I didn't really talk about, um, program implementation and the, like, the face-to-face training mm-hmm. uh, is and will always remain the core of our work. Mm-hmm. But I think it was like in our 10th year, we realized that um, you know, at the time we'd maybe reached about 300,000 people. That even if there were another ten, ten Achevs, um, it just wasn't going to be enough to meet the needs of uh, of children in Turkey, and that we need to be doing something more. And that's when we started to really think more carefully about policy and advocacy, and how we could, um, you know, have a bigger impact uh, on on the whole of society. 
And um, one of the first things that we did, we said, you know, just going up to the Minister of Education saying you should do this wasn't going to be enough. So we sort of like attacked it from a different angle. And we said, we're going to try and create demand. We're going to create awareness in society and try and create a demand that's almost going to force their hand. uh, And we ran a five-year advocacy campaign on early childhood. It was called Seven is Too Late. And what we (laughs) wanted uh, is for people in society and different stakeholders, not just parents, to become aware of the science behind uh, early childhood and, and what could be done. And so it almost became this like organic, uh, it evolved. And, uh, and now the Ministry of Education, early child education, preschool education is one of the, uh, the, uh, the foremost uh, policies uh, they have. Um, it's uh, for five year olds, it's around uh, 70% now, 70, uh, 70% mm. access. And uh, they're looking to make it universal within, within the next year. I mean, they've been wanting to for a couple of years, but hopefully next year they're going to uh, reach the target. That's great. So, Mike, it's a one-two uh, punch yeah, no, from bottom a, up and then the side. <laughs> totally. And, and just to maybe uh, pull a thread out of that, in reaching, I think you've got 12,000 or so trainers, yeah. reaching a million uh, uh, children and, and uh, parents, You've got a peculiar problem here, which is they don't have to show up ever. Uh, that is, the people coming into the programs don't have to appear. Uh, thinking about your own leadership and what it has taken to put together, just call it a, a extensive, now multinational volunteer program. Volunteers on the part of the trainers, certainly volunteers on the part of the participants. What does it take to make that happen? Just thinking about yourself and how you've led the enterprise. So I'm, I believe in the value of hard work, no matter where. <laughs> what has it taken from me? Yeah. It's taken hard work. <laughs> it's taken um, teamwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's taken working with different partnerships, as mm-hmm. I said earlier. Um, but I did just want to come back very quickly to uh, the other question about the future. Oh, please. Because um, uh, although the policy change is very important, the world that we live in today has so many multiple opportunities for reaching those. I mean, mm. you keep mentioning the one million. Those are the one million that we've reached face to face. What we've done over the years is we've also um, engaged and employed different uh, methodologies and different techniques, including, you know, television, including mobile applications. So at the moment, as we speak, we have a mobile application that's been downloaded by 300,000 parents and is actively used by around 170,000 daily. So that's a that's a figure, although we can't profess that that, you know, they we have the same impact on somebody that uses an app as somebody that participates Mm -hmm. in a 25 week program. That's still uh, that's still a way of of reach. Same with our with our TV programs. We ran a, um, a program for five years, similar to Sesame Street, that was viewed uh, on average by three million people a day. And a study mm. was conducted on that to find, uh, and it found that children that did watch this program with their mm-hmm. uh, with their parents, there was a change in mm. their pre-literacy and pre-numeracy. So, uh, in terms of the future, that's what excites me. Um, mm. That uh, you know something that worked twenty twenty five years ago is not necessarily what's going to work today. And the the needs uh, of parents in Turkey and of children in Turkey Mm. have certainly changed. The landscape's changed. Uh, And so what we need to develop uh, that is going to meet those needs, it requires uh, constant revision. It requires constant diligence. You can't just say, I've got a good thing here and I'm just going to 
continue mm-hmm. continue doing that. Um, and I think in terms of my own leadership, uh, that's what keeps me excited. If they mm-hmm. ask me to just say, okay, you've got this great couple of programs, just keep keep at it, mm-hmm. keep going with these. Mm-hmm. That, uh, after a while, it, it becomes maintain maintenance mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than anything. Mm-hmm. So having that, um, that bandwidth uh, to explore new areas, you know, bringing in fathers, uh, bringing in different uh, mm-hmm. international organizations, getting to talk about Turkey and the, the good examples that come out of Turkey when mm-hmm. often, you know, we only hear bad news. Uh, the, you know, a, a, a society is composed of so many different elements and there's, uh, there's lots of great things happening. Um, so those are the things that excite me and that's what I try to impress upon my colleagues as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the minute they start saying... Oh, you know, this is, uh, I've got this, uh, I've got this and don't worry about it. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> we need to get back to it. So good. Thank you. Well, Isla, we're, um, we're really glad to have you here on campus. Um, so happy to begin this partnership with, with Achev and end with you. And so we want to say congratulations Thank uh, you. for being one of the honorees for the Lippmann Family Prize this year. Um, how can our listeners learn more about your work and Achev and the Mother Child Education Foundation? Um, it's very easy. <laughs> uh, www.aceb.org has uh, a mountain of information but I would urge anyone that's interested uh, in in the work that we do, not only in Turkey, but other countries, if they have ideas for us, how we can take this forward, how we can maybe collaborate in different countries, um, please, please reach out to me, uh, reach out to or, or any of my colleagues. And we're thrilled about the partnership with, with Wharton School as well. I think that, you know, it's re- hopefully it's going to take us to the next level as, as we explore our own future. That's great. Uh, so we're very much looking forward to working with the, the students and the, the faculty uh, here. Great. All right. We need to take a short break. This is a special edition mm-hmm. of Leadership in Action, celebrating the 2019 Lippmann Family Prize honorees. I'm Jeff Klein. This is SiriusXM. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.